What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take a 20, episode 10. Uh, since we've reached the 10 episode mark, I'm going to stop <laughs> naming off the episode numbers and just get right into everything. Like I always start off every episode, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, promoting the podcast, reaching out to me about different things that you want me to talk about sharing the podcast, everything. Like, I really do appreciate all of the feedback. Um, shout out to NBA Hoops. He's been somebody who's really been on me and, like, pushing the, the podcast a lot. So I really appreciate you. Um, know that you're listening as well. So big shout out to you. If you guys don't know him, his Instagram is NBA Hoops. Uh, I think that's with a Z underscore on each side so if you don't if you're not following him go check him out he keeps up to date really really well with all the nba moves it's pretty insane actually um there's sometimes he he'll post something that i'm completely unaware of so he's he's a really good resource um and with that being said let's just jump right into it like i was saying in the last episode um I was gonna go over the records of each team in the NBA got to a certain point with the Western Conference. I actually finished them all out when I realized it's going to take a little too long for me to do the Eastern Conference as well and get an episode out in time for it to still be relevant. So instead of going straight records, I'm just like, I've already kind of got an idea of what it's going to be for the Western Conference, so I organize it as such. With the Eastern Conference, I'm more so doing a little bit more of a guesswork kind of thing, not looking exactly at their schedule, because that's one thing. It's easy to throw out numbers and say, like, oh, this team will go, like, 48 and 32, or this team will go 32 and 48, things like that. But once you really start looking at the schedule, it it starts getting a little bit more difficult because then you're taking into account back-to-backs, flight time, how much rest each team is getting going into that um, into that match, how many back-to-backs have they had leading up to this, how many games in a row have they had leading up to this game. So it's, it's a lot that goes into it. So with that being said, I was just like once getting through the Western Conference, I was like, all right, well, it's going to take way too long for me to do the Eastern Conference, like I was saying, and it still be a relevant pod down the line, so or when it comes out. So just going straight into it, um, I'll give you my Western Conference predictions and standings. And starting off, it's going to be the Jazz in the one seed, Suns, Denver, Lakers getting the four seed, Warriors coming in at five, Clippers coming in at 6, Trailblazers coming in at 7, Mavericks coming in at 8, and I'm going to include the ninth and 10th seed just because those are the playing round teams, and that's going to be the Grizzlies and Kings. Now, on the Eastern Conference side, I have the Bucks at 1, Nets 2, Heat 3, 76ers 4. A lot of people are going to be very surprised at that. The 76ers are a good team with or without Ben Simmons. The 76ers with Ben Simmons are just just getting into that like next tier because like it's it, honestly in the Eastern Conference it's the Bucks and the Nets in that top tier with the 76ers not having Ben Simmons they've dropped out of that top tier they're in that second tier but they're still really really good 
for people saying like they're not going to be anything like they were last year, that's kind of foolish just because of one player who, albeit is a big part of their system, there's other players that are stepping up, Tyrese Maxey, um, the, uh, I can't remember the other kid's name, but these these two second-year players are really stepping up and filling that void that Ben Simmons has left. Now, if Ben Simmons were to come back and actually play for the 76ers, that makes their team a whole lot more scary, a whole lot more dangerous. So, but with that being said, they're, they're still a really good team. Moving on, I have the Celtics at 5th, Hawks at 6th. Bulls coming in at 7th, which is going to surprise a lot of people. I really do believe in the Bulls. Uh, a lot of people think that their defense is going to be a huge problem. They have enough defensive players on that team to actually make a difference. I think that Zach Levine will take on that responsibility of being a defense, of being a two-way player. Just hearing the way that he talks about being a part of the Chicago organization how he's helped that organization become relevant again. And, you know, he's not comparing himself to Jordan, but, you know, honestly, there's been rumblings ever since he got to Chicago about, like, oh, like, he could be that, not Jordan per se, but being that two-way player that Jordan was. You know, Jordan wasn't the best defensive player but he was a really good defensive player. I can definitely see Zach Levine moving in that direction and becoming a, a serviceable defensive player. Um, Vooch is Vooch. I don't think he's going to develop a defensive side. Um, if he was going to, it would have happened a long time ago. Back when he was in Orlando, he did show little spurts of being um, being a good defensive player, but I, I don't know what happened there. He just kind of fell off. But moving on, I have the Knicks at 8, which is really going to piss off a lot of people because they think that adding Kimball Walker and Evan Fournier is like the the be-all for this team. Like It's going to make them so much better. And in my opinion, it's actually going to make them regress. Um, you know, Tibbs is a really, really good defensive coach. And when he doesn't see his players giving the maximum effort on defense, he has no problem with benching them. So I think that's going to end up in situations where somebody like Evan Fournier isn't really performing the way that he should on the defensive end, irks Tibbs, and makes maybe not the best decision and benches him instead of letting him play out. And Kemba is somebody that is super elite, but defensively he's he's a liability out there. So you have all these situations where you have to look at it and say, I don't think that it's it's really good for the Knicks. Offensively, yes, they got better. Defensively, no, not so much. Um, I think the Knicks ended up finishing sixth last season. So with this, they're heading two spots back. And then rounding out the rest of the standings at the 9 and 10 spot is the Pacers and the Wizards. Now, moving on 
Mike, I'll start off with Western Conference first with their playing round. Um, or you know what? Let's let's stay with the Eastern Conference since it's a little bit more fresh in your head. So, yeah, the Bulls, Knicks, Pacers, and Wizards all in the playing round. So the Bulls and the Knicks play each other. I'd say the Bulls win and keep the seventh seed. Um, with that being said, or no, yeah, then you have the Pacers and Wizards. I think the Wizards win that game. And then you have the Wizards versus the Knicks. Now, again, I'm, I'm sorry, New York. I'm sorry, Knicks fans. But the Wizards, in my opinion, would win that game. They, they just have a really good, to me, they have a really good squad. Um, they have a really nice balance of offense and defense. The offensive players on this team are really, really proficient. And it's kind of hard to count on a Bradley Beal when you know that he can just go off for like 40 points out of nowhere. So when I look at the Knicks, it's like who who on that team is going to stop Bradley Beal? Nobody. Literally nobody would be able to stop Bradley Beal on, on the Knicks. There's not a single player out there. You have R.J. Barrett guard him. Outside of that, there's nobody who can really stay in front of him, and even R.J. Barrett is going to have a difficult time staying in front of the Bradley Beal. Then you have KCP, who's actually a good defensive player and a good offensive player. Not the best at creating his own shot, but as a spot-up shooter, he's really good. You have Spencer Dinwiddie, who is still, honestly, one of the better point guards out there in the league. He's going to be able to get Bradley Beal some looks that, you know, honestly, he wasn't getting. Well, he probably he was getting with Westbrook, also getting with John Wall, but it's it's still that that dynamic, you know. Spencer Dinwiddie knows how to just like kind of be off the ball. He's okay being like not the primarily primary scorer. He's just coming from the net, so he knows how to play within his role. That's something that's going to really bode well for the Wizards. And that's why I say that they would beat the Knicks in this playing round, and they hop the hop the line from being a 10th seed into being an A seed and getting into the playoffs. Now, going back to the Western Conference, you have the Trailblazers, Mavericks, Grizzlies, and Kings. So the Blazers and Mavs go at it. The Mavs win. So they move from the 8th seed to the 7th seed. Then you have the Grizzlies and Kings. Grizzlies win. And then you have the Blazers versus the Grizzlies. Now this is this is really something very, very hard for me to say. Um, because originally I put down the Blazers that, that they would win that game. Um, but now, like really thinking about it, going back and looking at both the team's death charts, I, I just... I really think that the Grizzlies would have a really good chance to win that game, especially because it's just one game that they need to win. So, with that being said, I'm I'm going to change it right now and have the Grizzlies move on. And they're taking the AC, knocking out the Trailblazers, which, if that does actually happen... Um, I think it'll be a situation where the 
the Blazers are just kind of forced into a situation where Damian Lillard approaches them and says, hey, either we trade X amount of pieces and try to get some more talent around here, or that might be his time to say, like, hey, I'm ready for a trade. Like, just, uh, we, we tried it. We went as far as we can go. I need a better opportunity because I want to win a championship. So it, it would be very interesting to see um, all of that happen. But honestly, a Blazers-Grizzlies straight-up game, the more that I looked at it, I just can't see the Blazers winning that game, unfortunately. So the new-look bracket gives us on the Western Conference side is Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Mavericks, and Grizzlies. And then on the Eastern Conference side, you have the Bucks, Nets, Heat, 76ers, Celtics, Hawks, Bulls, and the Wizards. So on both sides, it looks a little bit different. It's just more so the A seed is falling out, the seventh seed is staying in. So really the Mavericks took the seventh seed from the Blazers, so it's it's changing up a little bit, but not too much, but that's honestly the point of the playing round of just making it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more competitive for those bottom tier teams, not bottom tier teams, but the, the fringe teams who are trying to make it into the playoffs and can make it to the playoffs. So, and I think that that's the way that that would go. Now, moving forward into the bracket, that means that the Jazz would face the Grizzlies, obviously the Jazz would win that game, or win that series, pretty handily, I think that that would actually end up being a sweep, then you have the Suns and the Mavs going at it, the Suns win that game, or win that series, then you have the Nuggets and the Clippers, and this is something that, as a Clipper fan, I wanted to say, like, yeah, the Clippers would win that series, if Kawhi does play, and this is this is the assumption that I'm going through throughout the entire season is that Kawhi Leonard is not going to be able to play for the Clippers this season, which is something that I'm completely fine with. I've said it in previous pods, unless he's 120%, I do not want him stepping on the floor because an ACL injury is something that, you know, it's, it's difficult to recover from. It's hard to really say, like, yeah, I can I can go because honestly the intensity of practice is a whole lot different than the intensity of a actual game. So and especially like where he would end up actually coming back in the season, like it it makes me nervous. So I'd much rather have him just sit out the rest of the series rather than come back at a certain point in the in the season and like risk at re-aggravating the injury or injuring something else. So with that being said, um, it hurts to say, but it, it would be, it would feel better for me to not see Kawhi Leonard all on the court. But with that being said, the, the Clippers would definitely lose a seven game series against the Nuggets without Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, you, the, the Denver Nuggets are going to have Jamal Murray coming back. They have Aaron Gordon, they have your, um, the, yeah, the reigning MVP 
Nurk or Yoko Nurgish, but that's somebody that I still to this day don't think deserve the, the MVP. Um, still think that is supposed to be Chris Paul. I'll say that every single time that I bring up the Denver Nuggets and Jokic. Um, but with that being said, the Lakers and the Warriors are the last series where they're the fourth and fifth seed. So the Lakers have home court advantage there. Do I think that it's going to make too big of a difference for them? No, honestly, I don't. Um, when it comes to a seven-game series, I do see the Warriors actually ending up topping the Lakers. It's just the return of Klay Thompson, the way that the Lakers are shaping out to be right now. Um, also, the injury thing is something that is very, very concerning for me. The amount of the, the young players that they brought aboard that are now hurt, those young players were supposed to be taking the load off of the Westbrooks, the LeBrons, like Trevor Ariza. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how these players come back and how it goes through the entire season. Maybe they're getting bit by the injury bug early on in the season, and that's a good thing. Maybe they'll be healthy towards the end of the season, but I just I don't see see that happening just because you're putting more pressure on your your players that you really wanted to save for the postseason. So with that being said, I really do think, and also I think the Warriors still have like a pretty big move left in their back pocket like it it seems like they're going to try and do something to bring in another superstar um do I think that like James Wiseman's definitely going to be involved in that trade so it it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the warriors but I I do have to say that I I see the warriors actually winning that series against the Lakers, even with the way that the Lakers are currently constructed, it just, to me, the Warriors are just the better team. And I know that's going to piss off a lot of people, but, you know, when when you really look at it continuity-wise, like the, the three players that have been on this team from last year, are LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Every, literally all of the players are learning how to play together. So it's it's going to, like you saw in last night's game against the Phoenix Suns, it caused some problems. Dwight Howard has been there before. Like The fact that there's already like this real kind of pettiness amongst the team is a little concerning to me. Um... I know it's not something that really everybody or really anybody should really dig too deep into, but when you have players that are like 12-year players or 10-year players, you expect them to carry themselves with a certain amount of maturity, and the fact that tensions are already so tight on that team is just... it's 
it's definitely concerning. And if you're not saying that it's not concerning, I I don't I don't know what to say to you because it it really is concerning to see that your team is already dealing with infighting. So with that being said, I feel like the Warriors would actually beat the Lakers in a seven game series, move on, and then you have the Western Conference semis where you have the Jazz versus the Warriors, the Suns versus the Nuggets. I think that the Jazz would beat the Warriors. I think the Suns would beat the Nuggets, which gives you the Western Conference Finals of the Jazz and the Sun. And I really do think that the Jazz would be able to beat the Suns and continue to move on. I say that because I really do expect Donovan Mitchell to take a huge leap in the side of defense. He's already a really, really good offensive player. I don't think that he needs to get too much better on the offensive end. But on the def- defensive end is where he really needs to improve. When he was coming into the league, he was known as a defensive player, not an offensive player. So it would be, I think that he's going to really start getting back to that. And being that defensive presence that we all saw him to be in college. And you know, he's he's going to be able to lock up, not lock up, but he's going to be able to really make things difficult for Devin Booker. So I think that the Jazz would win in a seven-game series against the Suns. Now moving on to the other side of the conference, you have the Bucks and the Wizards as a first-round matchup. The Bucks obviously are going to win that. That could be a sweep. The Nets match up with the Bulls. Nets win that, obviously. Heat match up with the Hawks. Now, this was something that I ended up going very much back and forth with just because I really do believe in the Hawks, um, even though I really do not like Trey Young. The Hawks are the Hawks are here. They're legitimate. They're going to be here for a while. Um even though I have them as a 60, like, they're they're legit. They're just, they're a little young. Sometimes they get in their own way. And I still expect that to be a problem this season. The season after this, I think that that's something that's going to be completely dissipated because of the maturity level of the rest of the players of just, like, learning to play with each other, understanding each other's tendencies, things like that. I think... Yeah, the year after this one, the Hawks are going to be a team that honestly nobody really wants to see. Just they're they're going to be very intense. But with that being said, um, I still think that this year they they're going to be getting in their own way. So I have the Heat, and also the Heat are just a much better team than the Hawks, honestly. Um, so I have the Heat beating the Hawks. And then the last series of the first round for the Eastern Conference is going to be 76ers versus Celtics. And let me say that again because it was like a bunch of... The 76ers versus the Celtics. Um, The 76ers, I think, would win that series. I think it would be a very tight series. But the 76ers would come out on top. Like I said, the 76ers are good with or without Ben Simmons. Or let me say it this way. With Ben Simmons, the 76ers are a top-tier team. Without Ben Simmons, 
they're on like at the top of the second tier teams. So they're they're still going to be very good for everybody who's downing the 76ers. It's very very funny to me, um, especially because you we've already seen what they're able to do. Like they they were very competitive with the Mil or not with the Milwaukee Bucks with the Brooklyn Nets, and you know it it it's very telling of the maturity level of the rest of the 76ers, the heart and drive, you know, yeah, they fumbled the ball at the end of the end of the game. And that's why I think that they, like, I think that they'll figure that out throughout the season. Um, just because, you know, younger players have bigger roles and they, they're going to have to learn how to perform under pressure. So that's, that's just, just going to come with time. But I still have the 76ers beating the Celtics and moving on to the second round where they're going to run into the Bucks. The Bucks are going to beat them. And then you have the Nets versus the Heat. This one was very, very, very hard for me to say um, and figure out just because the, the Nets are a really good team. They have Kevin Durant, James Harden. Like, they have a very, they have a decent bench, but when it comes to playing against a team like the Heat, I mean, you you have the same problem that you did last season. You know, you're going to have P.J. Tucker guarding Kevin Durant. You're going to have Markeith Morris guarding Durant. You're going to have Bam Adebayo playing against Blake Griffin, and Blake Griffin is not going to be able to stop him. So... It's there's certain aspects of the Heat that are just tailor made to beat the oh, and I'm forgetting Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is going to be locking up James Harden. So it's like the Heat are honestly kind of tailor made to beat the Nets. So that's why I have the Heat winning that series against the Nets, moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals to match up with the Bucks, where I can see that series going seven, but I can only see it going one way, and that's with the Bucks winning. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to really, for me at least, to say that the Heat would beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. I think that Just the amount of talent that the Bucks have um, is going to help them get through that. Now, when we're talking about X's and O's and who's the better coach, Spolstra is definitely the better coach over Bodenhauser. But I think that there's enough high IQ guys on the Bucks to not beat the heat dominantly but just they'll they'll be able to squeak by in my opinion and that sets up a finals of the bucks versus the jazz now i think that between these two teams they're very very evenly matched they almost look identical to each other um i think 
yeah, I'm just gonna put my foot down and say the the Bucks are probably gonna repeat if this were the way that the playoffs were to play out. Bucks more than likely will repeat, win their second championship, and you know, it it's gonna be very it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how all that plays out. Um but yeah, I, I really do think that the Bucks have a very good chance of repeating it if, and that's it's a big if because this is basketball. You know, one big trade, one big injury, these standings can be completely different. So I think that if it were to go the way that I'm imagining it to go, the Bucks have a really really good shot at being repeat champions. Um, so that's really it, um, really wanted to get that out of the way, glad that I got that, dived into it, and now you guys know how, maybe some of you guys are saying like, oh, he's really smart, or oh my god, he's very delusional, so <laughs> whatever, uh, spectrum, end of the spectrum you're on, uh, I'm probably somewhere right in the middle, some kind of realistic, but also delusional. Now, I also wanted to give, like, I know I did it in a previous podcast where I was like, I broke it down to like, who are the top three candidates for the NBA awards at the end of the season. Now I'm really putting my foot down and saying like, who's going to win those awards besides defensive player of the year and most improved player just because those two, I still think, is going to be a very, very hard um, decision to make. But the MVP, I 100% believe it's going to be Kevin Durant. Um, just looking over at the Lakers, a lot of people would say, like, well, why don't you have LeBron James there? It's just because you have Westbrook, and AD is going to have to play at an MVP level for the Lakers to have success, you know. Um, so Kevin Durant, yes, he's along with James Harden, but Kevin Durant by far is going to show that he is the better player. So I think that Kevin Durant is, is kind of his award to lose at this point. I don't think that Giannis has a good shot of winning it again. I don't think Jokic repeats absolutely not he didn't deserve the first one so Kevin Durant is somebody that I think 100% would be like the top tier candidate for the MVP rookie of the year it's going to be Jalen Green no argument like he's just he's going to have the opportunity to run that team uh the Houston Rockets uh I have the Houston Rockets winning 25 games, all right, and that's that's being directed at a certain somebody, and they're gonna have to buy a Paul George jersey at the end of the season. I'm gonna make sure of that. So, Jalen Green is going to win Rookie of the Year, I believe. Um, Cade Cunningham has a really good shot at it, just because he's also gonna have the same opportunities as a Jalen Green. Um, just. To me, when you look at the two teams, Houston just looks like it'll have a better record, and 
Jalen Green will probably be a big reason behind them winning more games than they probably should. Now, moving on to the most improved player, this is something that was very, very hard for me. I actually have, like, I think it's five, yeah, five different players that I think could end up winning the most improved player of the year award. Um, starting off the list, Cam Reddish is somebody that I can see making a huge leap. Um, like I said, I'm, I really do believe in the Hawks. Cam Reddish is a really big reason why I believe in the Hawks. So I can really see Cam Reddish taking that next step and like really being, I know he wouldn't be like the third option for that team, but him just developing out into being like kind of a six man for that team. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is another one that I think could actually turn a lot of heads and be in the running for most improved player of the year. Alonzo Ball is another one of those players. Fred Van Vliet and Terrence Mann. All, all of those players is just because of the opportunity that they're going to have, the situations that they're in now in comparison to last year. Just, I think, all, albeit besides Cam Reddish, they're all going to be able to get more opportunities and shine a little bit brighter. So... Those those are my candidates for most improved player of the year. Defensive player of the year, I only have two. Um, I didn't put Rudy Gobert there just because I'm realizing that that would actually end up being like his fifth defensive player of the year award in a row. So, you know, voter fatigue is a real thing. And Miles Turner actually was very, very close before he got injured. If Miles Turner is able to stay healthy, I think that Miles Turner, damn, I said his name <laughs> a couple, a little too much, um, but I think that he would be definitely in the running to be the defensive player of the year. The other person that I think has a really good shot at it is Giannis. Um, I don't th think that he's going to be in the running for MVP um, just because now is expected of him to perform the way that he's performed last season. Um, though, if he continues to hit on his mid-range shots and continues to hit his three-point shots, it might be a little bit hard for people to say that he shouldn't be in the running for the MVP voting. But I definitely think that he's going to turn it up on the defensive end and really show everybody and remind everybody like hey like I'm one of the best defensive players in this league so that's why I have Giannis there I would have put Ben Simmons as well it's just I don't know when Ben Simmons is actually going to play um, I know that I said that I wasn't going to talk about Ben Simmons ever again on this pod but this is this is the one time that I'm letting it slip just because I really do believe in his defensive talents and, you know, it's, it's all dependent on if he plays or not. Uh, six man of the year, like I said in a previous podcast, this is, there's certain players that come along and just win six man of the year awards year after year after year. First it was Jamal Crawford, then it was Lou Williams. Now it's Jordan Clarkson's time. I think that he's going to be 
sixth man of the year as long as he wants to be. And moving on to coach of the year, I think just because of how, like, if Ty Lue is really able to get the Clippers to a sixth seed without Kawhi Leonard, I think that that deserves him to land coach of the year. Um, there's some other coaches out there. Like, I know, like, Eric Spolstra should definitely be in the conversation as well. Um, but when it really boils down to it, I think that Ty Lue would have the best case if he's able to get the Clippers to a sixth seed without Kawhi Leonard. That would, that would just, um, it, it would kind of solidify him as one of the better coaches. I mean, he's already solidified as one of the better coaches in the entire NBA, but I think that that would just put it in everybody's face of just like, hey, this guy is a really, really good coach. In terms of executive of the year, I didn't want to touch that just because it it's always funny towards the end of the year, like what they consider to be really good moves. I know Lawrence Frank won it because of Kawhi and Paul George. Um, I'm missing out on this guy's name. What was his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Um, But the executive for the Phoenix Suns, him winning it last season, um, even though everybody was saying that the draft pick that he made was horrible and signing Chris Paul was horrible. So it's going to be very interesting to see who they say the executive of the year is. Hey, it might be Daryl Morey, depending on what he could get for Ben Simmons. But it's it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this whole year plays out. These these are honestly my predictions. I think that the Bucks are going to repeat. Bucks Jazz are going to be the finals. Like I said, Durant MVP, Jalen Green Rookie of the Year. If I had to make like a really solidified decision for most improved player, I would have to say. Uh, it's a it's a toss up. For me, between Cam Reddish and Terrence Mann, just because Kuz, Lonzo, and Fred Van Vliet are not older, but you know they're in that range of people saying like, "Oh, well, they're supposed to be supposed to be better." Um, so, but depending on how big of a leap each of those players takes, um, could vary. And that's I talked myself into two, and now I'm talking myself back into all five of them. Um, so yeah, I'm not even gonna say solidify that, um, but I will say if Miles Turner is healthy, he's winning Defensive Player of the Year. Jordan Clarkson 100% is winning Sixth Man of the Year, unless Carmelo Anthony just really like starts going off off the bench, um, but I don't think that Melo is going to be able to come off the bench enough throughout the season for him to be considered a six-man. I think he's going to end up starting a lot of games just due to injuries that happen with the team. 
and yeah, Coach of the Year, Ty Lue. Um, it's it's really hard to say how how that would go, but I think Ty Lue should be in the conversation. And if it's not Ty Lue, I think Eric Spolstra would would win Coach of the Year. And also, get Eric Spolstra to be the coach of the U.S. national team. Like, there's no reason why Budenhauser should be the coach of the national team. Absolutely no reason. Like, Eric Spolstra is head and shoulders better than him. So, get Eric Spolstra on the USA team. That's my mini rant about that. It, it was very disrespectful to see that news come out and saying like, "Oh, Budenhauser is the front runner." Why? It, like, honestly, why? He's 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 a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but is just Eric Spolstra is head and shoulders better than majority of the coaches in the NBA. And you know, off off that rant. Uh, we'll we'll call it an episode right there. Um, thank you guys again for tuning in, listening to the episode, sharing the episodes, like letting your friends and family know about it. I really really do appreciate it. Like the amount of times that I've seen people post my podcast on their stories, it's it's kind of kind of crazy and you guys are giving me energy to continue to do this like I said in my last pod I really love talking basketball the header of this podcast has always been and always will be just a guy from LA who loves to talk hoops and that's it you know simple as that and with that being said I'm gonna get up out of here um don't really know what the next episode is going to be. I think it might be something that is going to irritate a lot of people, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and again, thank you everybody. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'll, I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.